You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Let's get into this. The title of my message is From Disqualified to Justified. From Disqualified to Justified. Now I want to just take a couple seconds and just think about the word disqualification. A lot of times um, I find it's helpful when you're, you know, kind of wrestling through a, a concept, a theological, theological concept, whatever. Uh, it helps a lot of times to look at the converse, look at the opposite. So what is the opposite of being disqualified? Qualified. That was not a trick question. You have to be qualified. That would be the opposite of being disqualified. So what does it mean to be qualified for something? And I think the uh, best way to think of it, think, think of, um, of a, a race. Think of the Boston Marathon, okay? Boston Marathon is, I think, I'm not really a runner, don't care that much, but I'm using it as an analogy. I will never run. No, I'm not going to make an interval. Never know one day. I will probably, most likely, not run the Boston Marathon ever. But you can't just show up and run the Boston Marathon. You have to qualify. How do you qualify for the Boston Marathon? Well, if you're between the ages of 18 and 34, I looked it up, you have to run another marathon in under three hours, zero minutes, and zero seconds. Under three hours. That's how you qualify to get into the Boston Marathon. So to to qualify for something doesn't mean you win. It just gives you just the opportunity to even compete. That's what it means to be qualified. So then to be disqualified would mean the opposite that you haven't met some performance metric that allows you to run in the race. So how sneaky is the devil that what he does is tries to disqualify, he doesn't try to, well he does, he tries to discourage you while you're in the race for sure, but his number one tactic, he knows, man, if I can just disqualify them, then they won't even run. I don't have to mess with them running in the race and have to deal with all that because they won't even run if I can just disqualify them. During the race, he will discourage you. But if he can just disqualify you, then you won't even run. And so what, to, to be disqualified. So in the Boston Marathon, there is a performance metric that you have to hit to be able to run the race. And it's to run a marathon in under three hours. And so to be disqualified means I do not meet the performance metric to be able to run the race. And that's what we, especially men, and ladies, I know this happens to you too, but I am telling you it is the number one tactic the devil uses against men is we say, I do not meet the performance metric. I am not qualified to run in the race. And it's, it all, it's, listen, it's not, it's not just you guys, okay? It's not, you know. It's not like the Bible characters were all just like filled with bravery and valor and we're just all doing terrible. Like, look at Moses. God meets him in a burning bush and says, you're gonna be my deliverer. You are gonna go into Pharaoh and you're gonna say, let my people go and you're gonna lead the people of Israel out of slavery into freedom. And what does Moses do? Immediately disqualifies himself. I can't, I mean, I can't do it. I have a stutter. I can't even speak. How am I going to go into Pharaoh and say, like, you know, you, you see Charlton Heston in, in 12 Commandments, and he's like, Pharaoh, let my people go. And that's not how it went in real life, okay? Moses had a stutter, a stammer. I'm sure Pharaoh was like, what? 
Come on, get it out. But what did God say to Moses? God didn't say, no, no, Moses, that's not true. Let's use the power of positive thinking, buddy. He didn't say that. He said, but I am your God, and I will put my words in your mouth. But the very first thing Moses did was disqualified himself so that he didn't, couldn't even run in the race, right? Same thing with Gideon. Who remembers Gideon? Judges chapter 6, threshing wheat in a wine press. Angel of the Lord comes to him and says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And then Gideon's like, uh. So like, of all the clans in all of Israel, mine is the weakest. Out of all the families in my clan, we're the biggest wussies. And out of everyone in my family, I'm the biggest wussy of them all. And then God says, but I am the Lord and I will be with you. The very first thing Gideon tried to do was disqualify himself. Come with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. If you get this in your, this, this is the, in my opinion, the most important passage in all of Scripture. This is the entire Christian message summed up in a handful of sentences from the Apostle Paul. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to read Romans chapter 3, starting in verses 19 down to about 28. And it's a good bit. And listen, the Apostle Paul, he was like, he's hard to read. Okay, the sentences are super long, just a bunch of commas, no periods. It's like, Paul, end of thought, and let's move on to the next sentence. So, so let's hang in there. We're going to get through it, all right? Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Verse 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. That was a lot, but it's all right. I have two points, not three, okay? I'm going easy on you, all right? Two points. Point number one, we all start disqualified. We all start disqualified. Romans 3.23, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 20 says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So what is the law? The law is the Ten Commandments. 
It's the precepts of God. It's in the same way that the Boston Marathon has a qualifying performance metric, or think about MIT, the most, I've used this analogy before, the most prestigious um, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math college in the world, they have an academic performance qualification. And you'll, you know, you, here's my transcript, here's my, my essay, here's all the things I did in, in high school, here's why you should... And if you don't meet their academics, academic performance qualification, then you are not accepted. And that's what the law is. The law is God saying, if you want to be with me, if you want to be in my presence, walk in constant communion with me, then here's what it looks like. This is the performance metric. In this case, it's not an academic performance. It's not an a athletic performance. It's a moral performance. If you want to be with me, and walk with me, then here's what you have to do. Now, it, listen, we don't even need the Ten Commandments. It might as well just be the one commandment. None of us, none of us, not me, not Pastor Jurgen, not the Pope, not any of you, have even kept the first one, which is you shall have no other gods before me. If you have ever, as I have 50 billion times, made anything more ultimate than God ever, then you have transgressed. You have fallen short of the glory of God. If ever, it could be anything. It could be a great thing. It could be your kids. It could be your success. It could be your spouse. It could be an addiction. It could be, if you ever, 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 either consciously or subconsciously said, if I just have that, then I'll finally be complete. Subconsciously or consciously, you have violated the first commandment. You have fallen short of the moral performance record to qualify you. Now, you may say, Okay, that's, that's pretty harsh. God sounds like a big jerk. Well, let me, let's try it a different way. There was a, uh, a theologian named Francis Schaeffer, and he gave this analogy, and I think it's brilliant. Imagine every single one of us was born with a little tape recorder, an invisible tape recorder around our neck, okay? Now, this magic tape recorder only turns on when we make moral judgments about somebody else, whether spoken or thought. And so if I'm like, Rudy really needs to treat Gladys better, then the tape recorder turns on, grabs that, and turns off. If I think, you know, man, so-and-so really should, you know, whatever, whatever, make a moral judgment, I'll say it, it, it turns on, grabs it, turns off. Then you get to heaven, you stand before God, and God says, you know what? I'm not gonna judge you on the Ten Commandments. Maybe you didn't know them. Maybe you didn't go in church. Maybe you grew up in a, in a Muslim nation. But here's what I'm going to do. And he takes the magical tape recorder out, sets it on a table before you, and pushes play. You can't even stand up to your own standards for how people should live. Me either. Listen, I'm the worst. You want, I, the number one place it shows up is while driving. If I'm on the highway... And I'm doing my thing, driving straight. And there's an on-ramp. And somebody pulls up on the on-ramp side to me, besides me, you know what I say? Hey, I was here first. I'm on the highway, buddy. You're trying to get, you're trying to merge into me, so you figure it out. You either speed up or slow down, not my problem. Now, if I'm over here and I'm trying to get on and I pull up next to somebody, I'm like, what's your problem? I don't have anywhere to go. The lane's running out. Let me in. I can't even live up to my own standards for merging onto a highway. It doesn't matter. We all start disqualified. But 
praise God. But, I know it started out a little dark. Point two is a lot better. Point two is a lot better. We all start disqualified, but if we choose, we get to run the race justified. Point number two is we race justified. Verse 28 says, therefore we conclude, this is everything. Listen to this. Can you put verse 28 back on, on the screen? Verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. You are justified just by believing. That's it. Not by racking up a bunch of good deeds, not by outweighing your bad deeds. You are justified, meaning you are in perfect right standing before God himself. Not disqualified, perfectly qualified. Perfectly qualified when you just put your faith in the accomplished work of Jesus. When you choose to believe that 2,000 years ago, a man who was just as much man as he was God came to this earth and he lived the perfect life that you could not live. It would be like Jesus running the Boston Marathon for you in an hour and then putting your name on his scorecard. It would be like he's this perfect little whiz kid who made straight A's, has a 4.5 GPA, was the president of the chess club, was the captain of the quarterback, and he goes and applies at MIT, and they're like, this kid is perfect. And then he puts your name at the top of the transcript. And you know what that is, by the way? That's called fraud. It's actually like, you, it's against the law. That's why Christianity is, it, that's why they call it the scandal of grace. It is insane. It's like being given the Congressional Medal of Honor having never set foot on the battlefield. God promotes you and me to the highest office in the universe saying you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. Not because you've earned it, not because of your performance record, because you do all these things right, just because I said so. Just because I love you and I call you my son, my daughter. A lot of people think, you know, when, when you, you say, you know, what happened when Jesus died on the cross? People would say, you know, it's a good answer, that my sins were forgiven. That's true. Your sins were forgiven. But that's only half of the story. There's so much more that occurred when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected again. To be forg- forgiveness is a financial term. It means I owe a debt and that debt is forgiven. The responsibility of that debt is absolved by the debt holder. The debt doesn't go away. If I owe Rudy 50 bucks and Rudy says, I forgive you, the 50 do- Rudy's still out 50 bucks. So in essence, Rudy has to pay that debt on my behalf. Forgiveness is a financial term. You go from a negative back to zero. But who knows that God doesn't want you to live your life at zero? Come on, somebody. That's, you're not just forgiven, you're also justified. I heard somebody say one time that to be forgiven means you may go. If you stand in a courtroom and you are, there's a, a charge levied against you and the judge says you're forgiven, then you get to go. But to be justified means you may come. 
To be justified means that you can walk into the courts of heaven itself. Walk into his presence. When you open your word, when you get into your your prayer mode, your drop zone, wherever that is in your house, that you actually walk into the presence of the most high God himself. Not because you've earned it, not because you did good that day or you did, you know, you've had three good days in a row and so now God will meet with you. No, it's because you've been justified on no account of our own, but because God loves us us and he made a way for us to be with him Romans 6:23 says for the wages of sin is death okay now the word wages in greek if you go look at it is actually a soldier's pay that's what that word wages is in the greek it means a soldier it means like you're on the army of the bad guy But then you get recruited, you get saved, you get pulled over to the good team. And listen to me, there is no in-between. There is no in-between. We are either at enmity with God or we are with God. Now here's the thing, and man, I want you to listen to me. This will set you free. So many of us think we wake up in the morning and we're neutral, neither good nor bad. And then... Maybe we make a bad decision, so now we're kind of on the bad side. But hey, thank goodness his mercies are new every morning, so we just say, well, this day sucks, just you know, scrap it up to nothing, and maybe God will do something tomorrow. We wake up the next day, and maybe that day we're good. Maybe we wake up, and we read our Bible, and we pray, and we're nice to our wife. And so now we're kind of like, we're, we're, on, the, we're on the good side now. It's good. You know, maybe, maybe God will bless me. Maybe all the things I've been dreaming for and believing for are going to come to pass. But then, shoot, I mess up. And so now I'm, now I'm on the bad side. Dad, gum it. But you know, his mercies are new every morning, so I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and I'm going to start over, I'm going to try it again. I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but I know there's half of you that live like that. Half of you, at least, that live your life like that. And I'm telling you, that's not the truth. That's not the way it works. Every single morning when you wake up and you brush your teeth and you look in the mirror, God is looking at you saying, you are my son. When I look at you, I see perfection. I see somebody that I trust with a God-sized destiny. I trust you to have an amazing assignment, to carry weight for my kingdom. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your imperfections. He doesn't see your qualifying time for the Boston Marathon. It may have been sick. It may take you six days to run the Boston Marathon, and God looks at you, and he sees Jesus' performance. He says, man, you're fast. Way to go. You ran the Boston Marathon in 12 seconds. That's good. Men, you can't live like that. You're not called to live like that. It will rob you of everything that God has called you to do. Whenever God lays an opportunity before you, you will disqualify yourself because you'll look at your own performance and say, I can't step into that. I can't do that. I'm not worthy of that. That's for so-and-so. That's for so-and-so, but not me. Disqualification is the result the devil wants. Guilt and shame are the mechanisms to get that result. If I'm in a light, if I'm in a room and the light's on, and the result I want is to turn off the light, the light switch is the mechanism. Disqualification is the result the devil wants, and the mechanism is guilt and shame. But you have to understand and speak it over your life 
Get in the presence of God. Get in the word that says that you are more than a conqueror. That you are a son of the most high God. That there is nothing you can't do. There is no devil that can take you down. There is nothing that can pull you away. That you have an assignment. That you are meant to carry weight. That you're going to do great things. That there is a legacy that's going to be built through you. It doesn't matter if your great-granddaddy, your granddaddy, your grandfather, whatever. If there's been alcoholic, 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 it stops with you. Because you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus' mighty name. You are more than a conqueror. Every morning when you wake up, right now, if you are in here and you believe and you have actually walked out Romans 10, 9 that says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. If you're in here and you are a Christian, the Bible says you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation not a groveling servant, not some messed up leper that's, that's begging God to be cleansed. You've been cleansed. You are perfect. Now you may say, well then how do you explain what I did yesterday? I still screw up. And that's true. There's something called phantom pain. If, anybody, if you know anybody who's ever had a limb amputated, there's a, a condition called phantom pain where even though that limb does not exist, they will feel pain in that limb even though it's not there. Even if your sin nature, even if the old you has been amputated, if the love of God has come in and amputated that nastiness off of you and you have been regenerated, you're a new creation, there's still, because you are still chained to this flesh, there are neurons and synapses and, and that, will, that will spark pain even though that limb is no longer there. This, may be, this one's going to be weird. I'm going to try this one out. We'll see how this goes. Imagine you're a Siamese twin conjoined at the hip to another. Okay? You're kind of two people but also kind of one. And imagine that one of those is your flesh and one of those is your spirit. And both of you have a terminal disease. Both have cancer. And you're just heading towards your demise. But then one of you, one Siamese twin, radically gets healed. Cancer gone. You're on a trajectory of long life. That's what happens when we get saved. When we come into the family of God, your spirit goes from a trajectory towards an eternity away from God to a trajectory of being with God, not just now, but for all eternity. But you're still, still conjoined to this Yahoo over here. And you're being regenerated. You've been healed. You're going from strength to strength, from glory to glory. You know, this, this guy over here, he's still... Still on the downward spiral. Think about at the at the beginning, after you first get healed, and this this guy's still. You want to go right, and he says, "You're like, whoa," because he's still as strong as you. But then, as time passes, you're going from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Over here, going down and down and down. So then, in the future, when it tries to whip you to the left, it's just like you don't even feel it. 
I can't be pulled anymore. I can't be swayed anymore. When Katie and I first moved to San Diego, we lived in an apartment in La Jolla. I went to UC San Diego, and we served a bunch up at the, at the time, it was called North Campus. It was the Bressy Ranch Campus. Back when we only had two campuses. Crazy. And we would drive home down the, the five. And then there's the split of the 805 and the five, right? And we would take the five to go down to La Jolla. Then we moved, after living there for two years, we moved to Claremont and still were serving up at Bressy Ranch. And so then we would drive home and we'd just be talking. And then I would just, and Katie would be like, where are you going? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's right. I don't, I don't live there anymore. I don't live there anymore. But still, because of just the embedded muscle memory, just because of, I would just find myself just without even thinking, just, shoot, I don't live there anymore. If you've been regenerated, if you have accepted God to to reign over your life, you don't live there anymore. You don't live in the old you anymore. But you'll find there are times where you may, just because you're not thinking about it, you just wander off. Now, how weird would it be if I showed up to our old apartment and was like, hey, I'm home. That's called trespassing. They would call the police, okay? It would be weird. It would be unnatural. I don't live there anymore. But there were times where I would find myself just until I made the trip enough until it became ingrained. I don't live there anymore. I live over here. I don't live there anymore. I live over here. What would your life look like if you stopped believing the lie that God chooses to bless you based on what you do or don't do? What would you say yes to? What would you dive into if you actually believed that God loved you for you? Period. End of sentence. Not you while you're reading your Bible consistently. Not you while you have mastery over that addiction. Not you while you're being a good husband. Not you, but just because he loves you. How would your life change? What would you be doing now that you're not doing? Would you have said yes to that business idea? Would you have said yes to stepping into more and greater in ministry, to step more into into serving here at church? But do you say, I can't do that because of this. I can't do that because of that. I look at my past and I say, if they only knew, listen, and I'm not not gonna lie to you and say that, that pastor over here has it all figured out. I still remember the day Pastor Jurgen came to Katie and I and said, hey, we want you to take over the Eastlake campus of Awakened Church. I wish I could tell you I am your Maximus. I will go to war and destroy every devil along the way. Literally, when he asked, the very first thing that flooded my mind was all the reasons I couldn't do it. All the reasons that if, if they knew what I struggled with, if they knew the, the way that I thought sometimes, if they knew just how insecure I could be at different moments, there's no... And the first thing the devil tried to do was to take me out by disqualifying me. But I've learned to say that my Bible says that I am a son of God. That I can walk into the throne room of grace with confidence knowing that he hears me. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of who he is. Because he says that you are my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. I have a destiny for you. 
And so I want to make space tonight. I'm going to close right now. I'd love it if we'd all hop to our feet. And listen, I can't, I can't teach you into an understanding that your father loves you. I can't. You have to have an encounter with God. You have to hear from him. Hear him say, I love you. I am not ashamed of you. I'm proud of you. I believe in you. And I believe God wants to say that to some people. And listen, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It could be anybody. So what we're going to do is I'm going to um, open up this space right here. This is what in church we call the altar. It's where things get altered. And so here in a second, if that's you, I'm going to invite you to just come forward. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. And the worship team's going to, going to just sing and lead for, for a couple minutes. And in those moments, as the, the team is, is singing, I don't want you to sing at all. I want you to stand up here and just receive and listen. Listen. And I believe that the manifest presence of the God of the universe, the God that made Jupiter and Saturn and aardvarks and hammerhead sharks, weird things. That God that has so much infinite creative energy that is bigger than we could ever imagine is actually gonna bend all the way down and whisper in your ear. So if that's you and you know that you have let yourself slip into, or maybe you don't know anything different. Maybe you grew up in a church that told you God only loves you when you act right. I'm telling you, that is an anti-Christ spirit. That's one of the most wicked things. One of the most wicked, wretched things on this planet because it is so anti the message of Jesus. So if you've let yourself slip into that, if that's, if that's the way you've thought your whole life and this is, this is new to you, well, then guess what? Life's about to get a lot different for you. Things are going to get a lot easier. You're going to wake up every day loving yourself because God loves you. And when you do slip up, mess up, you're going to say, this isn't me. I don't do this. And you're going to be able to get right back on track. So if that's you right now, why don't you just come to the front right now. I'm going to pray for you. And I believe that mentalities are going to shift, that minds are going to shift that as we go into Emerge Conference, we're gonna get the lie out of the way that God only cares about you if you do well. My son, Zeke, he gets to enjoy all of the blessings of living in my house. It's not like when my son disobeyed, listen, he's five, okay? Sometimes I'm like, boy, did you just lose yourself? You don't talk to your father that way. You don't talk to your mother that way. When my son does misbehave, do I say, cool, I'm not gonna feed you for a week? Does my provision stop when my son disobeys? Do I say to Zeke, you're not behaving the way that I think you should. You're gonna have to sleep outside for a few days. I would go to jail. And I'm a, I'm, an, I'm a human. 
How much more will your heavenly Father not throw you out in the cold? How much more will your heavenly Father not cease his provision because of what you do or don't do? It's not about what you do or don't do. It's about who you are, and you are his son. You are his daughter. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to get off the stage, and the team's going to just sing for a few minutes. And like I said, if you're up here, if you're in your seat, whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't even want you to sing along. I want you to just receive. And what it feels like to hear from God, maybe you're in here and you're like, I don't even know what that means. What does it mean to hear from God? It means that you know that you know that you know that you know something. Sometimes you think a thought and you're just like, you know, two days later it's gone, you never remember it again. It wasn't God, okay? You know that you know that you know that you know. It's an impression in your heart, in your mind, in your psyche. An imprint has been made into the very core of who you are that you know that you know that you know that you know something. That's what it feels like to hear from God. And that can come, a lot of times God speaks through his people. God may be speaking to you through me. Sometimes it can be an impression on your heart in in the silence. It can be through his word. You can read something. And somehow you randomly turn to the one page out of 1,200 pages in the Bible that you just know that you know that you know that you know that God orchestrated your fingers to turn right to that page, your eyes to look right at that verse, and it's like that verse just grabs you by the collar and says, I love you. That's what it feels like to hear from God. So I'm going to pray right now. The team's going to sing and take a minute and just listen. God, I thank you for the message, the reality of the accomplished work of Jesus. God, that for thousands of years, this story, the story of this carpenter from a little town called Nazareth has been wrecking earth that everywhere this message goes, people's lives are put back together. Addictions break. People that have been powerless for decades and decades and decades and decades see addictions broken in an instant. People that have been riddled with illness their entire lives, a spirit of infirmity is broken off of their lives. Marriages on the brink of divorce, I have seen it over and over and over and over again in your house, God. They come back together. It's because it's true. It's because it is reality that you are called a son, a daughter of the Most High God, not based on what you do or don't do, but because of what he's done, because of who he says you are. He says, you are my son, you are my daughter. I have a destiny for you. I have a legacy for you to build. I have a, an assignment. I trust you. I trust you with a kingdom assignment. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would invade this place, would invade this altar, that there would be ears that would be popped open. There would be mindsets that break. God, mindsets that have been cemented in psyches for years and years and years would be unraveled tonight in an instant, that people would leave here knowing that you love them not because of what they do, but because of who you are. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.